Welcome to No More, Risk Better, a Credit Sites podcast. I'm Winnie Caesar, the Global Head of Strategy. And I'm Zach Griffiths, the Credit Sites Senior Investment Grade Strategist. As strategists, we aim to make sense of the macro and the micro, highlighting opportunities and the risks facing the fixed income markets. As important as the macro call may be, we understand that credit investing at its core comes down to keen single name selection, and we at Credit Sites benefit from the expertise of our team of over 100 analysts across the US, Europe, and Asia. This podcast offers a look at the conversations that we have with our analysts on a regular basis. If you are an investment professional focused on the wide universe of fixed income, you'll want to give this podcast a listen. Hello, everyone. My name is Winnie Caesar, the Global Head of Strategy at Credit Sites. And today I have Davis. Davis leads our TMT pod at Credit Sites and is responsible for covering U.S. telecom and media. Today we'll be talking about telecom and I am delighted to have Davis with me. We're colleagues at our former shop. It's great to be together at Credit Sites. And let's get right into the world of telecom. Thanks for joining me, Davis. Thanks, Winnie. Happy to happy to join you as we look at what's ahead in 2023. It's already been an exciting year to start. So it has been. It's been a jam-packed year in just a few short weeks. And that is the perfect segue to my opener question, which is Davis, if you could have a sneak peek at any piece of economic credit market or sector specific data for 2023, what would you want to look at and why? That's a great question. I thought a good bit about this and, you know, I think for, for telecom, it's, it's a little bit isolated from, you know, all out macro GDP headwinds or tailwinds, you know, so I don't know how relevant that would be, but I would be interested to know a bit more about the labor market and how tight it is. I think one of the things that has been challenging from an inflation perspective for telecoms, especially those that are in the middle of capital intensive projects, are is the inflation in, in labor costs. I mean, I was at a telecom conference a couple of weeks ago and I heard that labor costs are spiking 10 to 20 percent year over year. It's just really hard to find people. Fiber deployments are, are, are slowing because of it. So I'd be curious to see what would happen with the labor market later in the year. Wow, that's interesting, Davis. 10 to 20% spike in labor costs, that is not good for an inflation forward look. Yes, and it's been hard to find people, you know, a lot of the, a lot of these costs are outsourced to contractors to say build a fiber network. That's more in you know with a construction company like a company called Dicom would be an example of that. And, you know, the competition is very fierce for, for, uh, for labor because it's a skill, it's a skilled labor, you know, situation where splicing fiber and, and, and building and digging trenches and things like that. It's, it's, you know, it's a skill set that's difficult to find in this market. So let's move to your sector recommendation then, you know, given that labor headwind, are you worried about your sector? How are you recommending that investors allocate telecom in their portfolios for 2023. Yeah, it's interesting. I wouldn't say if you look at our recommendations, it wouldn't imply that we're worried. We are outperform. And I'll give a shout out to my investment grade counterpart, Hunter Martin, who covers investment grade cable and telecom. We are outperform on IG cable telecom. This one's pretty simple. It's uh, again, not really reliant on macro headwinds or trade or tailwinds. It's very defensive. 
most of these companies are wireless credits like AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, where, I mean, what's the last thing you cut? It's going to be your cell phone, right? So that continues to be a very defensive place to put capital to work. And so the other interesting thing about those three credits in particular are that they're all three deleveraging. So, you know, two of the three, AT&T and Verizon, are coming off of the C-band auction in 2020, where they levered up to buy a lot of Spectrum assets to make faster 5G networks, essentially. And so they're all kind of rowing that direction in terms of improving the balance sheets. So we thought that was a good good place to put capital work, you know, where it's a defensive sector and they're trying to improve the balance sheet. Um, the other one would be charter investment grade paper. It's one of the widest names in the sector. So we thought that was a good beta play for, for this year. High yield is a totally different story. You know, these credits are you know, are, are, you know, for lack of a better term, they're dinosaurs. They, this, these are credits that are facing secular, you know, from a technology transition to digital from, you know, legacy voice and, and broadband. They, they are trying to build fiber as fast as possible to limit some of those declines as people move from low speed networks to faster performing networks like cable or, or fiber optics. So we were actually underperformed this sector last year and it worked it was you know underperformed the sector by about 300 basis points we flipped that to outperform this year because we thought a lot of that negativity was priced in but when we you know looked more closely at the makeup of our index in high yield cable telecom 30 percent of it is first lean paper so we actually like first lean paper as as a buy in the sector this year, a lot of them are trading at you know, pretty pretty deep discounts, attractive yields, and we see the velocity if they hit you know subscriber targets. Velocity of that first link paper being pretty pretty strong versus unsecured. Sprint bonds, twelve percent of our index, we see that as a rising star, and then charter again, twenty five percent of our index, and uh, we see you know upward trajectory on EBITDA this year. So that's two thirds of our index in you know kind of more defensive camp which leaves the one third is highly suspect. So um, we uh, we think ultimately the recommendation for this sector is not as as important as credit selection. We think credit selection is hugely important this year. Uh, we have some fairly strong views on picks and pans. We saw one credit last just last week, Lumen, you know, report disappointing guidance and the bottom fell out of that of, of that cap stack. We were underperformed that name. So we, you know, we're well positioned from that perspective. But yeah, high yield cable telecom, definitely a mixed bag. That's great, Davis. So many of your comments really align with the broader strategy view. I think the investment grade telecom recommendation is really cohesive with how we're thinking about the market. We're focused on credits that still have momentum to deleverage. And we're also less concerned about duration in portfolios. Telecom in the investment grade market is one of the longer duration sectors in no small part because of so much of the liability management that has gone on in that sector. And then on the high yield side of things, you highlighted credit selection as being absolutely key for that, you know, kind of bottom third of the index that's a little bit more hairy or stressed or at least storied in general. And idiosyncratic is one of my words for 2023. It seems that the high yield telecom sector really aligns with that idiosyncratic outlook. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Yeah, credit selection was important last year and it's just as important this year for this sector in particular. Absolutely. Great. So let's think about the primary market. A lot of times we see new new issue activity 
really driving the outlook for valuations. And that was especially true last year, where if you tried to come to market on the wrong day, it was a bad news day that could be severely punitive to that deal and also secondary market levels. How are you thinking about new issue activity this year, Davis? What's going to drive new deals? What's going to keep issuers on the sidelines? Do you anticipate any sort of M&A coming to the market in the telecom space? So new issue, you alluded to this earlier, the liability management, it's, it should be fairly muted based on need. So when you look at the near-term maturities in IG and high yield, you know, it's not a long list in terms of near-term maturities in 23 and 24. I, you know, I'll, I'll highlight a, a few exceptions to that. You know, I think that most people are used to AT&T and Verizon and others, you know, being serial issuers. We don't see that happening this year. We see them staying out of the market largely, again, focused on deleveraging. T-Mobile is the exception. You know, we expected them to issue as much as $10 billion of, of paper this year. They already issued $3 billion in a three-part offering, and uh, they're going to they're gonna have some more needs on debt maturities as well as uh, CapEx and Spectrum purchases. So we do see them pretty active. It's one of the favored credits in, in telecom. So we don't see that as necessarily headwind for the sector. We feel like, you know, investors are, are perfectly fine with the credit trajectory of T-Mobile. You know, so we, we see that as, you know, sailing through for, for, for the, to a large degree. In high yield, it's, it's a little bit more unclear. I think if you look at just purely based on need, you know, we penciled in about five to 10 billion. We mentioned a few names, uh, in our, in our piece, in our outlook piece where, we could see them being opportunistic. Altice USA has a near-term maturity in 2024. We could see them try and firm that up. Frontier trying to firm up its CapEx budget for the next couple of years. We could see them being opportunistic as well at the first lien level. We did see one recent new issue that was kind of interesting in a credit that's been really beaten up, Unity. And they took advantage of, of this window opening and priced a, a, you know, a 10 handle first lien deal. So investors, liked the premium they got. But when you look at the the cash generation of that credit, what was interesting, interesting to me was it was a cost of capital increase on that first lien part of the stack. And Unity is going to be burning about $100 million more in interest per year just, for, just on that refi. So um, to me, it made it a worse credit going forward. But, but the, you know, so again, kind of coming back to the credit selection piece, that's where you know, it really becomes of note in this sector and high yield specifically. Wow, that is a massive increase of cost of capital. And that is a big concern that I hear a lot from investors, just thinking about how much borrowing costs have increased. And now it seems like we are perhaps going to be in this elevated yield environment for longer than people thought, at least heading into 2022. I guess, Davis, do you have kind of a, a longer term concern that with some of your very large capital structures, that this you know elevated borrowing cost environment is going to be detrimental over time? Or do you think that the kind of inflation defensiveness in that there are a lot of companies where you're not going to turn off your cell phone bill and you're going to be able to continue to see kind of prices pass through to consumers, is that actually kind of a deleveraging event over time. Yeah, I think for IG, the wireless guys in particular, I think they have a lot of power in the marketplace. What we've seen from them, they've been able to counterbalance the inflation pressures with price increases. So I, I, I suspect you'll see more of that activity. One of the things we really highlighted in our outlook was in a 
you know, a very low growth subscriber environment because of the intense competition in this sector, we are pay paying very close attention to average revenue per user. It's a proxy for pricing and it's a common metric in telecom, ARPU. And, and we expect that to be up low single digits, but that's, that's a lever that these wireless guys have that, that, that perhaps other sectors don't in, in this, in this, in this case. So that's, you know, we feel pretty comfortable there. Um, one of the things I worry about on the high yield side, to your point on cost of capital and, and debt maturities, is that a lot of these companies in high yield are involved in multi-year CapEx projects, fiber to the home being a big one. These projects will take several years and a lot of CapEx. The payoff is uncertain. The payoff could actually be five to seven years out. Meanwhile, all these guys face debt maturities, right, within that, zip, within that time frame. So is there enough time for these guys to inflect positive on their, on their, on their fundamental trajectory, EBITDA and cash flow growth? Is there enough time to, to hit, hit the right numbers to facilitate, you know, extending certain maturities? That's, that's an open question that makes investing in that part of the world a bit more challenging. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that flows nicely to my next topic of conversation Davis, what keeps you up at night when you're thinking about your sectors? If we are overweight, outperform both investment grade and high yield telecom, what could go wrong? Well, in cable telecom, the biggest theme, and we did a, a, a pretty wide ranging piece on this called Broadband Wars, where we looked at this collision course that's happening in the home broadband market. You have cable that's been you know, a mainstay in you know, a large part of the country. As, as essentially a monopoly where they're the only, you know, high speed internet provider that can offer, you know, acceptable service. That's changing. Fixed wireless is a, a you know, rel relatively newer entrant. This is something Verizon and T-Mobile, they're using their existing mobile infrastructure to offer home broadband. And then these telcos I mentioned in Wireline are in the midst of these massive fiber to the home projects where they're upgrading their networks. In theory, or at least on paper, Fiber is, is the, the most superior technology. It should gain some share, et cetera. I guess the thing that keeps me up at night is like, are we going to get something wrong, really wrong on our subscriber outlook in this sector? I guess a couple of his thoughts would be maybe cable, maybe cable's incumbent position is way more powerful than we think it is. And they're able to offer mobile service as an add-on. I think the idea is like, if you add mobile customers, those people are less likely to leave, right? So your churn goes lower and then now you can charge higher prices because, you know, these people are less likely to leave, leave the service. That's something that could happen. They're, they, on the other side, maybe fiber is, is so superior that people leave cable and you start to see subscriber losses. That's something that's not priced in. I feel like people expect cable to be stable, um, but if they start losing subscribers, that's going to be a further repricing of the sector. So it's a it's a really hard one to read. I think it's a multi-year kind of a transition. You know, we've we think cable can maintain a reasonable, a reasonably good market share. That fiber we've we be able to nick nick it up a little bit, but that largely things will will be fairly stable. But that's that's certainly one thing we worry about. So it sounds like perhaps over the longer term there could be some consolidation. Do you think that that is a reasonable expectation, like very much down the, the horizon, like five to 10 years out after we have a little bit more understanding of where fiber's going? 
Yeah, I think there will be. I think when you look at cable and telecom being, you know, the largely the, the duopoly here, I don't think you're going to see those sectors reach across the aisle. I, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, cable cable consolidation will remain largely cable, Charter or Comcast buying some smaller players, and then telecom, you know, will stay in the telecom lane. I do think there is some consolidation opportunity in wireline in particular. A lot of these companies are subscale versus say a Comcast or Charter. After a lot of this fiber is built, it feels to me like consolidation could could play through on that in that part of the world. But not quite yet. Not quite yet. I think kind of going back to the cost of capital argument, right. it's just probably too early to 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 you know set that course right now. Yeah. So when you, when you talk to clients, like what's the temperature check on investors in telecom? Do you think that people are fairly constructive, you know, or are you kind of having to really sell the outperform wreck to them? I wouldn't say people are constructive <laughs> right now. We are coming off a pretty terrible quarter for Lumen and Lumen is one of the biggest issuers in high yield cable telecom. Now we have been bearish on this name. So again, credit selection really matters, but that sentiment or that, that they reported guidance that was well below expectations for 2023. And, you know, that really opened up questions across the sector. Um, and I think, you know, Lumen's miss really brought down, brought down a lot of those stories. I think as we, proceed through the fourth quarter earnings season here, there's probably going to be some, you know, rebalancing, I think, where certain credits are like, again, kind of going back to the first lean piece. These companies are investing in their networks. They're improving the long-term viability of these companies. Uh, You'd rather see that than wasteful share buybacks or, you know, pursuing destructive M&A. So I think think their head is in the right place, but it's all about execution and timing. And I think that's where people are getting a little tripped up. Is this going to take a lot longer than we think, right? Mm-hmm. Are the costs going to be much higher than we think? You know, with cable being so aggressive, are you know, is that going to, you know, cause further churn in the wireline business? So a lot of those are questions people are really grappling with right now. But again, kind of going back to our view on the sector, you know, stay in first lean, stay in secured, stay in, sec- in companies that have a bit more flexibility with their, with their cost structure and, and cap structure. That's really interesting because we have been talking to clients about the divergence in credit fundamentals versus things that kind of juice equity returns. And it seems like telecom may be the poster child for credit looks pretty good over a longer horizon. If these companies are reinvesting in business, making them better, more resilient, whereas the equity story can be a little bit more challenging when there's not that kind of easy ROI from increased dividends and share buybacks. So that's another place that I think the telecom rec really aligns with how we're thinking about the market. And you bring up a good point because I think that there has been in this sector in particular for high yield, a negative feedback loop between the equity and the debt. Mm-hmm. So when people see Lumen or Altice USA stock trading sub $5 a share, mm-hmm. they get about, okay, my, maybe my unsecured bonds are impaired. And if my unsecured bonds are impaired, what does that mean for my secured debt? <laughs> so it just kind of rolls rolls downhill quickly. Yeah, you get into those either virtuous or vicious cycles 
for sure. So let's talk about picks and pans. What are you thinking for your top pick, your top pan? And then do you have a you know top carry trade idea for telecom? So in, in, in telecom, you know, we like T-Mobile in the investment grade side of things. The, the spread differential between T-Mobile, Verizon, AT&T is, is very, very small. So we like picking the best, the horse that's, you know, best positioned to grow in 2023, and that's T-Mobile. In high yield, definitely a lot trickier. Again, kind of going back to the first lien piece, um, we like consolidated bonds, first lien bonds. This is a, a strategy that's easy to understand. They're deploying fiber. They're trying to sell those additional fiber homes service. So there's a pathway to growth, I think, in this in this credit. And they have a stakeholder, Searchlight Capital, that we think will see through this project. So I think by 2025, this will be winding down in terms of the, the heavy CapEx lifting. You're getting paid 11% for first link paper in the, you know, around $75, $80 price. So we see that that as one that's you know well well positioned in terms of top pan. This one's already played out a little bit. I mentioned Lumen earlier as having missed guidance. You know we did suggest you know avoiding Lumen unsecured debt just due to uh, priming risk among other things. And then we highlighted level three unsecured bonds as something we felt were particularly rich, especially versus Lumen first lien. And you know our report goes a bit more into detail on that. But I think the market is pricing level three as as a more as a safer part of the structure versus Lumen. Uh, we disagree with that. We actually think level three is more exposed to enterprise telecom headwinds versus the Lumen part of the structure. So that's that's you know one idea for a top pan. And then on, sorry, on investment grade, our top pan is um, Verizon. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You talk about the macro concerns, people looking at how much they're spending on wireless service. Verizon's the highest priced in the sector. And uh, they're the market leader. So the they used to have this incredible network differentiation. I mean, Verizon's coverage was always the best. And that network, network differentiation is now very, very small. So you're paying high prices for a service that is no longer the best, or maybe not heads, head and shoulders the best anymore. So that's an area of concern for us in the wireless space. That does not seem like a great proposition in an, in an inflationary environment that's squeezing consumers. You may not stop paying your cell phone bill, but you might be willing to switch providers if that's the case. And not lose quality. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So Davis, thinking about earnings season so far and kind of how the year may unfold. If you had any words of wisdom to give to management teams in your sector, what would you be telling them? Well, I think given how much damage has, has been seen in the equity market on these credits in particular, I think credit, you know, sort of balancing the arguments of credit improvement, strong balance sheets, and investing in success-based CapEx. I think that's the message that needs to be said. I think that there have been some comments I've heard in the past where some of these wireline telcos say, once we're 70% fiber, we could probably carry a higher leverage point. And mm -hmm. I think that kind of commentary needs needs to settle down a little bit, especially given the cost of capital increase that we've seen. I was going to say, was that type of commentary before 2022 and the move that we saw in borrowing costs? 
Somewhat, somewhat, but I, I still think there's this, uh, you know, kind of legacy view that, hey, if we're if we're 70 percent fiber, you know, we're a much more sticky, predictable business and we can carry higher leverage. I think that view still holds to a degree. But so I'd like to hear them say once this reinvestments or once this investment cycle is over, you know, we want to be in a strong balance sheet position. Three, four times leverage would be my hope. Well, I certainly hope for that as well, really for the broader market, because that's another key strategy view is that these elevated borrowing costs, especially as you are moving down the ratings, are going to really make it important that management teams are focused on balance sheet management and defending ratings. And you know, the cost of capital hit from going to double B from triple B is pretty material and definitely from double B to single B is, you know very punitive at this point. Lots to look forward to, lots of new opportunities for us to expand our coverage. Davis, thank you so much for talking about the world of telecom with me today. I appreciate it. I know our clients will as well. And thank you to everyone listening. If you have any follow-up questions for either me or Davis, please feel free to reach out to us directly. You can always find us on the Credit Sites websites using that Ask an Analyst button. Thank you all. Thanks, Davis. Credit Sites Disclaimer. All price references correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, or reproduced in whole or in part. Neither Credit Sites nor its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any information contained in this podcast. Credit Sites is not providing investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, is not providing research or making any recommendations, nor is Credit Sites offering or soliciting any transaction with respect to the purchase or sale of any security. The receipt by this listener of this podcast is not the giving of advice by Credit Sites or its affiliates.